0: It's on the table for today, fellas.
1: Yes, on the table. Listen, last week we dealt with um, our universities, Adventist universities. This week we're going to deal with Adventists on public campuses. So right. Adventists on public campuses. That's what we're going to be dealing
2: with this right. week.
0: All right, sounds good, Adventists on Public Campuses. And uh, Pastor Wade, uh, who is at the table today, sir?
2: Oh, today, today, I'm excited today because I have a good friend who is there here at the table. Um, As you know, um, as Dr. Henry said, we're talking about Adventists on Public Campuses, but the uh, very high percent of Adventists uh, do go to public campus for schools. And we, uh, we sometimes don't realize the major impact that Adventism have on these public campuses. But in reality, the public campuses have an impact on us because we don't recognize that. And so today we want to do that. And so at the table today, we have with us my good friend. He uh, served as uh, my first elder when I was at the Bethel Church there what? in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, we became the best of friends and um, his family, sweet family has been a good friend of ours, uh, the Wade family. So I'm happy to have Elder Jeffrey Sigler, who is uh, with us today. And he will share with you where he where he serves and what he does. And we have another mighty um, valiant um, um, banner holder for, for Adventism on a public campus. From California, Dr. Paul, uh, Dr. Ty Douglas, uh, yeah. um, he is with us uh, here today. So we're excited to have them with us.
0: I see what we did. We did a West Coast, East Coast thing today. All right. I see what's going on. There we go. All right. Well, gentlemen, welcome. We are excited to have you today with us here at the round table. Excited that you were willing to accept the invitation to come and sit at the table to jump into this juicy meal that we're getting ready to get into this afternoon. We're going to ask uh, Dr. Henry to have a word of prayer, and then uh, we're going to give you, gentlemen, just a, a few seconds here to introduce yourselves a little further and to greet our audience. Dr. To Henry.
1: All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this engagement. Thank you that we are able to talk about uh, this this topic of having Daniels and Esthers and, and these uh, individuals in the uh, universities that stand up for you. We ask God that as we talk about this issue, that we'll be inspired to know that we are making an impact wherever we go in Jesus name.
2: Amen. 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 amen.
0: All right, Dr. Douglas Elder uh, Sigler, we didn't uh, we didn't really read your full uh, uh, bio and resume and all that stuff, and we are sure that it would have been very huge if we had done that. But we want to give you an opportunity just to say hello to our audience and to share anything that you'd like to share. When we have pastors on the roundtable, we give them about 30.7 seconds apiece, since you guys are not, well, I don't know, I think both of y'all do some preaching, so we might have to keep that, because uh, we know what preachers do. Uh, no, but we're going to give you—we uh, can give you 48.9 seconds. Uh, we'll start with Dr. Douglas and then move to Elder Sigler. Just uh, say hello. Anything that you want to share in these next few moments to greet our
3: audience this afternoon? Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the pastors uh, roundtable. Honored and privileged to be here. Thank you to uh, the hosts for having me. Excited to be here, all the way from the west coast. Uh, my name is Dr. Ty Douglas. I serve as uh, the inaugural associate athletic director for diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging at the University of California, Berkeley, uh, AKA Cal, Cal Athletics. I'm excited about this conversation. Uh, I can't wait to just lean in uh, and learn and grow together. Uh, and just to also share some amazing things that God is doing. I also wanna just give a shout out to Salt City Church. I've got the t-shirt on. Love uh, shirt. Salt City Church is in Columbia, Missouri. So shout out to our lead pastor there, Pastor Braun Jacobs, uh, honored to be a part of that team and the work that God is doing on college campuses across the country. So I can't wait to get into the conversation. Thank you for having me.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Doc. Uh, Elder Ziegler, time is yours, sir.
4: (laughs) It's good to be here. Thank you so much, Pastor. And to all the pastors on the round table, I too am thankful for your uh, invitation. And it's good to be at the table. Um, You know that uh, when you're about to preach, The saints don't like it when the bio is read. They just want to hear you're a man of God and bring the word. So I'm glad you saved us from that today. Um, Brooklyn, New York, Medgar Everest College. Uh, You know, I've been there for quite some time. We'll get into that conversation. Um, But since uh, Ty was shouting out churches, you know I have to represent Brooklyn and Bethel, Seventh Day Adventist Church in the building. You know, um, we Uh just want to, you know, and and Pastor Wade is not lying. Okay, he is not lying when he says, you know, we are best of friends. We were so good uh, together at the church that when he told the church he was leaving, somebody came up to me and asked, are you leaving, too? (laughs) I I said, I am going nowhere. Pastor Wade is leaving. I'm sticking right here in, in my church. But it's a pleasure. I can't wait to have the conversation I think it's a very important one, and it's one that sometimes gets overlooked.
0: All right. Good stuff. Again, welcome, gentlemen. We are ready to dive in. Uh, Pastor Wade, we're going to kick it
2: over to you, Doc. Well, listen, we want to start off. First of all, I was just enamored with your title, Dr. Douglas. Uh, Share with us exactly a little bit of the title, what exactly (laughs) it is you do, and share with us some of the factors that
3: led you into serving in higher ed. Sure. Yeah, it's a mouthful, right? Associate Athletic Director for Diversity. Come on, you got you to gotta enunciate. I'm from Bermuda, <laughs> right? So my, my Nana's watching, she'll get all the syllables in, you know what I mean? Uh, Diversity, yeah. equity, inclusion, and belonging. It sounds, it sounds important. And, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, it, it is important, not necessarily because of the title, but frankly, it is, it is ministry- in the cloak of you know high, a higher ed title right um mm-hmm. the work of diversity equity inclusion and belonging is the work of a christian uh it's the work mm-hmm. of uh, uh, of a pastor okay. right uh and so i um you know i bring to that space you know all of me um, you know, you asked me, how did I get into higher ed? Do you, do you want the, do you want the real deal preacher? I, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I don't, I, I need, I, I'm need. just wondering who you got on. I
2: mean, my folks I, say, I, I, know, me you, we I'm say old. we're relevant. We say we're relevant and real. So come on.
3: All right. All right. I, I'm just checking. I'm gonna give it to you. So, I mean, the real, the reality is that, you know, my, my journey started if you will on a college campus, but it wasn't a public one. It was Oakwood university. My mom was a 19 year old college freshman mm-hmm. at Oakwood mm-hmm. that found herself. She found herself pregnant. Right. Uh, with me. And we turned to Bermuda uh, and, uh, 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 that summer, and I believe she had to try to figure out a couple of things. She was trying to decide, you know, what was she going to do, you know, in the 70s? And even still today, come on, we're talking pastors, right? Yeah. You know, there's, yep. there's some realities that our young people face when they find themselves with child. She actually went back to Huntsfield that fall and found herself at an abortion clinic. Listen to me. Mm, uh, and on. while she was at the abortion clinic, she felt me move for the very first time, and knew she couldn't do it, right? So I just wanna just, before you get into the, you know, inaugural associate director for diversity, all that stuff, when we talk about inclusion, when we talk about movements, my position actually happened in part because of the movements for social justice and the things that have happened recently, but movement, for me, has started in my mother's room. That's not new Percent. for me, right? So when I think mm-hmm. about my work, when I think about what I do, when I think about what I bring to this space, folks don't understand why I do it the way I do it. But if I, I have to go back to the beginning, right? And so it gotcha. started in a mother's room who felt me move and said, "There's life here." And so for me, I get the opportunity at the number one public university in the world to help to bring life to bring life to our mm, wow. administrators. I sit on our director's cabinet. I get to sit with our athletic director, with our our senior staff. I get to work with our head coaches, our associate, our assistant coaches. I get to work with our student athletes. I get to work with our chancellor and our campus leaders. I get to work with the community. I'm a professor right. as well, so prior to coming to Cal, I was an associate professor of educational leadership and policy analysis at the University of Missouri. So we can get into all that. But if I was to sort of just piece it all together, Preacher, like I said, it started in the room of a 19-year-old college freshman who felt mm-hmm. life and knew that she had to keep it. And where you see me now really is a manifestation of that some 40 plus years later. And there's a whole lot in between. I can't wait to give it to you. But in short, I love to be able to love on people, right? When you engage in the work of diversity, you know, you're really talking about connecting with people. You're talking about value. You're talking about ultimately, you know, seeing the reality that, that, that Christ died for folks. But you also have to do it in a way that's respectful of the fact That not everybody believes the same way that we do. And I get the privilege of doing that and loving old people, not to make them Adventists, not Mm -hmm. necessarily even to try to make them a Christian, though that would be beautiful. But I think when you do the work in a public space, you have to be willing to meet people where they are and to love them irrespective of their beliefs. And so I'm humbled and honored to be able to do that. It has a chaplaincy component and I'm happy to share more as I go forward. But this is just a great conversation. Thanks for having me. Excellent, excellent. Mm-hmm. He, you, hey,
0: Rod, Rod, you, can, you can't, you yeah. can't, you can't hear what you just heard as a preacher, especially as an <laughs> Adventist preacher, when you're talking about diversity listen, and inclusion. And that brother listen, said, I this, is the go, that. "This is the Advent message. This is I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting Come on, gospel <laughs> to yeah, preach to everybody. everybody, every nation, kindred, tongue, and Come people. On. That's diversity
2: yeah. Yeah, and yeah, inclusion.
0: Yeah. That's awesome on, stuff. That's, that's, on, that's pre-
2: exciting, people. man. Excited already. The problem is." You I don't want to walk down that road because that's a different show. <laughs> no, 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 no,
0: that's, 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 that's what he does. That's that thing. So that's right, just right, awesome. Right.
2: That's right. That's right. Excellent, Dr. Douglas. Thank you so much. Uh, Elder Sigler, share with us um, what factors led you to serve at, at a high ed level and, and, and what do you do at, similar to what uh, Dr. Douglas kind of eluded
4: us to? I know you have a similar story. Sure, um, it's a powerful testimony um, that Dr. Douglas just gave us, and I would say ditto to everything else after that. Right? Um, I'm going to research, not steal what he said, loving on people because that's what I feel like I've been doing in a public space at Evers College for over 25 years now. This is my 27th academic year at the college. Um, But what brought me there was not my desire to work in higher ed, right? Um, It was a story that, you know, I played basketball and I just finished uh, receiving my master's in guidance counseling from Brooklyn College, right? And this was in 95. And we were at a, 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 a basketball, let's say camp or, you know, workout. And I met a gentleman who lived in the neighborhood, and so, you know, I'm not trying to take the train back home. Uh, he, he offered me a ride. I gladly accepted the ride. And he said, I'd have to make one stop. And this brother made the stop in the Diamond District. And then it hit me for a second while I'm sitting in the car. I said, wait a minute. Am I an accomplice to something that's going down in the Diamond District? Oh and I got a point. But really, he was going to propose to his girlfriend at the time. Um, and he had to pick up the ring. Long story short, uh, after that, he gave me a call and told me about a position that was open. And here's how, how God works. And I didn't know his religion at that time, but here's how God works. He he, let, he put me onto a position that was open at Meg College. The position required a master's because we were talking to each other that whole ride about what we were doing in our lives and what have you. He knew that I'd just received my master's. This brother could have just said, I don't have it. And then that was a done deal. He says, but I know someone who has, who just got his master's that you might want to, you know, look at for this position. Somebody I had never met before. We just met on that day. I did him a solid, sat in the car while he ran and got the ring. He returned that favor. And what happened was I went into the college to have a conversation what, what, with what I thought was working with Black and Latino males at the time. And I met with the president, Dr. Edison O'Jackson, summer of 95. And all we did was talk about community, talk about loving on people, you know, talking about serving. I didn't even get to my resume. You know, I was like the prodigal son coming home, rehearsing. You know, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God. Please forgive me. I didn't even get to my script all he wanted to know. And then a couple of days later, the offer was on the table to work with their first year program. But that all started through a conversation. That all started through, you know, doing someone a solid. That's all. It all started through somebody who barely knew me saying, hey, this brother just got his papers. He might be there. And it's, you know, so it it was only God. Um, What Mm -hmm. I do Uh, at Medgevist College currently, I'm the director of enrollment uh, management at the college, which is really the gospel, right? (laughs) You're trying to recruit people into uh, Medgevist College, spreading the gospel of Medgevist College, right? As as an elder in the church, we do enrollment, right? We do discipleship. So I see the synergy there. But I've been blessed over the 20 some odd years that I've been there to instruct in the classroom first year program. Um, To be the director of student life um, and to also then come back and direct that first year program and then finally to be in enrollment management. So across the span of working with students, you name it, I've pretty much done it or been close to it. It's been a great journey. Well, listen, well we, listen, these brothers here—you must see, here. I see, see what, say this, Rod. brothers what I had here are was preachers; Bethel, right? <laughs> they're
1: preachers.
2: I love it, man. You, you see it. what I love it. You see what I, I have, Ethel. Yes,
3: sir.
2: <laughs> awesome, excellent, great to ha- to hear the stories. Very, very inspirational um, in terms of your each of y'all's um, di- you know journey to get to this point. And um, a lot of people tend to think. Um, that it's only when we are in the, in the Adventist space that we have stories like that. But th- these are the stories that inspire our young people and, um, and help them to see that we, 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 we each have a journey to go, and God is still in the midst of it, and it's not necessarily that we have to enter the buildings that have Adventists on it. And I'm going to say that and leave that right there.
0: Wow. Hey, this this is great. So so let let's let's take it let let's take a look at this. We we talk about wanting to be real here at the pastor's round table. And so this question that I want to posit to you. So we we're, we're for our audience both of these gentlemen are Seventh-day Adventists. You can see they are very active in their local churches. Um, elders, preachers, both of them preach. I think uh, Dr. Douglas told, told us last night he actually went to the seminary, um, spent some time there. Maybe he'll get a chance to share a little bit about that. Um, so, so here's the question. As Adventists are known around the world generally for two things, health care and education. Um, that we have great educational institutions, great healthcare institutions, um, and, and and both of you as, as good, solid Seventh Day Adventist Christian professional men, but neither of you are at an Adventist institution. And so here's the question. Do you ever get any pushback um, for as much as we tout Christian education and Adventist education? um, Do you ever get any pushback for teaching and working at a public campus as opposed to being uh, at an Adventist institution? How do you respond to that and what might be some of the challenges or the opportunities um, that you see being in a being an Adventist um, on a public campus. Let's start with Dr. Douglas. We'll move to, uh, to, to, to. uh, Yeah, great.
3: Yeah. So, so it's interesting. I love what you shared, right? That the Adventists are known for healthcare and for education. Uh, I think one of the challenges that we face as Adventists is that a lot of times our, our, our message is powerful and great, but the packaging isn't ideal, Mm. right? So, Mm. um, I mean, so we, we have, we've had a great health message for a very long time, but there's a whole world that sort of passes by in the whole like sort of vegan, you know, sort of healthy eating. Like I mean, like we're not really the leaders in that space, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Similarly even as race to education. I mean, we have, you know, uh, uh, you know, probably the next to the Catholic Church but the largest parochial educational system, right? And yet, um, there are there are gaps. Um, we 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 the packaging, the you know, the, and so uh, so I, I think we need to broaden the lens of what we of how we frame Adventist education. I no longer see Seventh Day Adventist education as just as Pastor Wade said, the schools that have Seventh Day Adventists on them. I see uh, Seventh Day Adventist education as any space where a Seventh Day Adventist is, an educator wow. is, and wow. and 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 now we're preparing our young people as an educator in those spaces. We have the opportunity to become all things to all people that we may do what that we may reach what some, right? Say, that we may, right? That we may love one people. So if I'm honest with you, I have not received a lot of pushback in part because I have been intentional about like how I engage in the various spaces. I describe myself as a border crossing brother, right? You know, I, I read a book about it, <laughs> this, this capacity to transition between various spaces. And I believe I'm able to do that. There's a level of some dexterity that I have, if I'm honest with you, because I really was in a... Uh, 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 I really wasn't educated uh, in, in my formative years in the traditional Adventist system. So mom was a 19-year-old college freshman. I'm going to keep going back to my story. And I want to invite my pastors and, and, and listeners to, to, to do what I call me-search. As a scholar, I do research, but I want you to do some me-search. I'm trying to model it for, for you as I do as I share with you my own. That's where the breakthrough happened. So again, mom was 19 years old. So you know, she's pregnant. She keeps me. She goes back home to Bermuda. And of course, she's this fellowship, right? Um, mm. So. She didn't send me to the Adventist school. Um, she didn't want me to have to deal with the comparisons with my cousins who were of similar age, and deal with the politics of being her child in the school that she didn't feel accepted in as a dark-skinned young woman. I mean, you said this is like, real, right? Yeah. I, would, yeah that's I, all right. I just want to keep it no, you know Right. So, so she was intentional about the school she sent me to. She sent me to a great public school across the street called Paget Primary. Then she sent me to this, this 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 high school. So Bermuda was was founded in 1609, right? Mm-hmm. She sent me to the school called Warwick Academy, founded in 1662. I'm talking about like the oldest, uh, I, I think, uh, uh, school, if you will, uh, one of the oldest in the Western Hemisphere. I'm talking a bastion of, let's call it what it is, white supremacy, right? Like this is, it's, but, but you had kids who look like me there. She wanted me, she wanted me, I'm going to be careful how I say this, I'm going to love for, my, for all my folks, but she wanted me to understand how different worlds think. She wanted me to be in this space. And to be able to, to be able to have the support and the, the infrastructure of Sabbath school that she, that my nana took me to because she wasn't quite really ready to be back in the church space anymore just yet. But 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 she sent me there. She I had the support of the barbershop and the, the the black church and these other spaces that helped to give me balance as I ran into this 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 historically white space and 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 wrestled with and were around different folks. Again, after Bermuda College, I'm sorry. After Work Academy, I went to Bermuda College, a community college, right in Bermuda. Two years there, a vital time in my journey. Then I went to Oakwood for two and a half years and got that that enter to learn, depart to serve heart, that branding, that, that ethos, right. But if I'm honest with you, and listen, I had I had multiple scholarships while I was at Oakwood. Uh, I, I I mean, from from Bermuda and the like, I could have gone to any graduate school that I went to. And if I'm honest with you. Like I didn't really know when I left Oakwood the difference between the University of Alabama Huntsville and getting the masters from Northwestern. Can I just keep it 100? Like yeah. when, when Obama, when I looked at Obama's administration, I ain't gonna lie to you. I was actually frustrated that I didn't really see many of my contemporaries on his staff. And I'm looking mm-hmm. at the resumes and the CVs and I'm saying, what's going on? Like they, they went to different schools from us for their masters. But again, when we talk about again, healthcare education, there's some things that sometimes our young people aren't exposed to because we're so insular that they're not getting access to these higher echelons of spaces to have influence. So I share that with us mm-hmm. because, again, you know, I think it frames how I engage my work in higher ed. I'm not your tradi- traditional sort of Adventist. I'm Adventist, but I'm, I'm comfortable with ambiguity. Um, I don't have to say in Christ. For me to know that what I'm doing is in Christ. There are some people who they just they can't if they can't pray in Jesus' name, then they feel like they're not praying in Jesus' like like they, so so again, our, our journey set us up for how we can engage in different spaces. And I believe when I look at my journey, my academic journey, my spatial journey, it allows me to be a little bit more flexible and inclusive and less suspicious of those yeah. who may not use the same language as us at Adventist. So I haven't really gotten a lot of pushback. If anything, I think I've been able to uh, inculcate my Adventist values in a way that's authentic, but in a way that also is relatable to people who want what we've got, but they've never really got be able to relate to, relate to our packaging.
0: Mm. Right, wow.
3: Awesome.
0: Good stuff. Elder Sigler, um, how about you? Any, any pushback, and, and what do you see as some of the challenges and opportunities that you have on the public campus?
4: Sure. Um, just like, you know, Dr. Ty, very, very little pushback. Part of my story is is the fact that, you know, I just took my stand for Christ in 2006, right? And baptized on the, the last Sabbath of that year. And so when you think about 2006 to 21, that's pretty much 15 years, right, in this. And then that's it. So just like what Dr. Ty said, I don't bring to my walk with Christ um, a T-shirt, a banner that says, you know, I'm this, this and that, no this, no that. I bring to it a person who from birth up until 2006 walked this earth in different spaces with a praying mom um, who made sure I was at Sabbath school. Right. But I came home. My dad, who was not in the church, picked me up, but he. To me, he exhibited everything that a godly man should be. He was there for me as a dad. Um, He took care of me. But my Sabbath as a child ended when I left Bethel Sabbath School. (laughs) And I really didn't (laughs) return until my child was really born and we brought him to Sabbath school, right? You you do what was done for you. And we would stay long enough. And I said, I don't know how y'all can stay in church all day. And I think about that somewhere, right? And the book that I haven't written, Doctor Ty, is "Confessions of a Clock Watcher," because that's what I was. Mm-hmm. I used to look at that clock. They stay in church too long. You know, um, the only time I used to come to church was when they did the uh, Messiah at Christmas time, and mm-hmm. the Seven Last Words. You know, <laughs> during 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 that Easter season. But I say all of that to say that we talked a little bit last night. I don't get the pushback because I'm able to be me. And I don't always feel that with the Adventists that I've encountered, they, they're almost like in a, in a trap, in a bond, you know, in a, they, they're almost bounded by their Adventism and their Adventist roots. And what I mean by that is if they did slip up, where's the safe place in the church where they can say they really slipped up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because their parents are still there, their grandparents are still there, the people that raised them are still there. I don't have those shackles on me. So if I say that I did a couple of things in my life, here's what I learned from it, I can be honest in my testimony, you know, about that. So um, I think that allows me to be free. I don't get pushback because once again, I don't judge. I, I'm not a hypocrite. And I think pushback comes when you preach something that you're not and people see you slip and then they give you wreck about it, right? And so that's where it is. As far as challenges in the public space, you're always gonna have challenges because there are things socially that you're just not gonna do, right? There are things that you have opportunities. And it's interesting, I was that director of student life at the time that I took my stand and I was about to go into a new position. But when I was director of student life, I wasn't in the church. So uh, overseeing the parties that took place on Friday, <laughs> Saturday, working, events or whatever, I was there. Meg Evers College had graduations on the first Saturday of, um, of, of, of of June, you know? And that was habitual. Um, But just to tell you once again why it's important for us as Adventists in public spaces to be authentically who we are, those first two years after my stand, guess what? I went to graduation on Sabbath. You feel me? I was at graduation. And there's this tussle about, is that work? Is that right? Should I be in the church? Should I not? And to me, I was an administrator. I got to sit under a tent You hear me? So that wasn't work. You you see where my mind was? That wasn't work. So I sat under the tent for the first two years. That third year, um, it just started to bother me that I should not be there. Right? Mm -hmm. And when when I told my president, who ironically it was his last year at the college after serving for 20 years, that I wasn't going to be there and why, he totally understood you see what I'm saying? And so it's our responsibility in public spaces to tell people who we are. They can respect it, but not use it as a club or a hammer over their head. He totally understood. I called HR to make sure it was all right. Guess what they said to me? Said, Jeff, this is a Saturday. You're contracted for work Monday through Friday. You don't even have to put in paperwork to show, not show up on that Saturday. And it wasn't. And so you live in this cage unless you really mm. allow yourself to speak your truth to power, let people know who you are and what have you. And so I think the opportunities is always for to witness, but not in a sermon, but in your truth and just mm. saying, this is what I can't do. This is what I will not do. And people actually respect it. So you know, I think there are opportunities to show Jesus without mm-hmm. preaching the gospel, but it's just a way that you, once again, like my brother said, love on people um, yeah. and show them love. Wow! Pastor Paul,
3: can I can I yes. can I just can I just piggyback now. off of of other yes. circular real quick? Yeah. Is that okay? Yes. Uh, I love what he, I love what he shared. Uh, as I've continued to think about your question, and I want to mine it a little bit more. There's some more meat on that bone. If I'm honest with you, <laughs> yeah. um, some of the most uh, the most pushback sometimes I've gotten past the it has actually been from Adventists who struggled mm. to be Come able on. to sort of understand my dexterity, right? Um, okay. uh, so, right. you know, uh, I, I love the audience. I know you've got pastors watching and, and there are many pastors I know now who are, uh, who are leaving, uh, you know paid pastoral ministry in part because they feel confined because the the, the 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 aperture for what it looks like to be a pastor has been too narrow for their gift set and I've experienced that and in fact I felt called to help to broaden that. I I, I serve as a bivocational pastor. I've never been uh, paid by the conference, you know a conference paid pastor, but the reality is that frankly we, we need more bivocational folks um, because the, the the conferences can't even afford to pay everybody that needs to exert pastoral ministry, right? So, but what I've noticed is that there are many church folk who like they want somebody who looks like the traditional framework of what a pastor does, <laughs> like and 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 where, the, where like where he is, and 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 even his particular you know training, right? And so, like again, yeah, I, I mean, I went to Andrews, I got my master's in pastoral ministry uh, in part because this wasn't just like a you know, just like like I respect the vocation, right? I respect the train. I, I respect. This is not just you get up there and you just mm-hmm. you just talk or you just lead, but I, I right, you know right. I I I embraced the call of pastoral ministry in Missouri. Like I could no longer run from it, but the pushback sometimes came from folks. Who struggled to be able to understand that, yes, I was a professor at the university, but yes, I am a pastor. Like my my pathway to pastoral ministry was different. I wasn't ready to be a theology major at Oakwood. Praise the Lord for my English major, sociology minor. That was my journey. But I want to say that out loud because there are many who are watching who are struggling because they feel like they don't fit because their journey wasn't, you know, uh, a, a theology undergrad, you know, MDF, right. and then you're sent to right. something, or oh, oh, you weren't picked up by a conference, and so you feel like you weren't called to pastoral ministry. I hope that a fruit of this conversation is that there's someone who's watching who also uh, can embrace the, the, the call or, 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 or be encouraged to know that your call has not been forsaken just because it may not fit within the traditional confines of the structure. COVID has taught us at least one thing, that the structure, <laughs> there's gaps, right? So so I would say, yes, I've, I've gotten pushed back, right. right? And it's been from sometimes church folk, but I'm grateful that, that listen, our gifts make room for us. And, and so I, I want to just also celebrate, you know, the administrators who also made room. I think about the the pastor Christian Josiah, the Roger Bernard at central States. You know, I think my, my, my dear brother Dion Henry, who invited me here, Like we met in the central States conference. And so I got to plant a church in a, a city that had no church that would really uh, focus on the needs of people who look like us. And so I've always been able to be a bridge between two worlds and to be able to place that church in a context where it benefits from the university community, but it's also connected to the infrastructure of the denomination. So, I would love uh-huh. to say I've got two more things, but I'll, I'll, I'll defer to you all. But I, I have gotten some pushback, and I have two more that I want to share with you at some point if you, if when you're ready. Yeah, well, that I, I was Douglas. I, yeah, I, I, I would say go ahead, and
1: share, share that, share that pushback now because I think you made a point that kind of leads us into. The next question, but share the pushback now. We don't want you to forget that. Go ahead.
2: Okay.
3: so, yeah. So the first pushback is like oppressed people struggle to to, to embrace uh, uh, liberatory new things. Right. So our people sometimes struggle to see. So it's going to be. So for, for those of you who may find yourself, again, struggling with what the framework looks like, it's okay to create. It's okay. It's a, you may need to start a nonprofit. That's what we did. I mean, we've we've received funding and donations from folks who don't probably don't even know what an Adventist is, but they saw what we we're doing in the community and it created contacts for our ministry girls. Right. So that's number one. You may get pushback internally from folks who claim to be Adventists. Number two, um, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, I love uh, what Elder Sigler said about how, like, like when we engage in various communities, people can feel it. Like, I can't tell you how many people have said to me, "Man." <laughs> I feel something um, or, you know, man, this, this felt like church, right? Or I mean, literally people right. have given their hearts to the Lord in spaces that like other folks were looking with suspicion. I mean, you know, I have some colleagues. I, I want to celebrate. I want to say it in a space like this. I'm talking about the ministries of folks like a Dr. Eric Thomas, ET. You might have known knew his work. at He was at Michigan State University. Now, you know, he's doing amazing things in spaces where sometimes our Adventist pastors haven't been able to reach. I think about my friend Jeremy Anderson. I was just at his conference in Atlanta two weeks ago. It was straight up ministry. I mean, it was it was around the framework of like public speaking or whatever. But you better know on that Sabbath morning, folks came to the altar on Saturday night. Folks came to the like, but but again, like like people can feel it. But you may not always be able to lead with traditional Adventist framing, right? So they can feed it. I have had colleagues who have raised their sort of angst about some of the things that Adventists have done. But would say to me, but there's something different about you. Like the only way I can describe your influence is it feels spiritual. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, I mean, that's how they said it. Right. And so, again, sometimes you're going to have institutional pushback because of people's experiences with religion. So we have to leave leave with relationship without the strings attached that our interest is in them is only based on whether they'll become like us. I, I read it. I, when I read my word, like Christ died for a lot of folks who will never accept yeah. him, who will never, they won't be in the kingdom, but he will, he won't forget them. And I think sometimes we are so narrow-minded as to our evangelism that we're really not committed to people unless they're willing to join our church. And I think yeah. people can wow. feel and you love yeah. them to the extent that right. they say, you say to them and how you treat them. That if you never right. choose to believe what I believe, I love you. I'm not really interested Mercy. in necessarily making you like me. Mm. I just want to love you. I mm. want to know you. I want. And if you're interested in what makes me me, I'm happy to share. Final thing, the pushback that I got that helped me, if I'm honest with you, during my doctoral program as I emerged from teaching at an Adventist school for five years and started my PhD in North Carolina, was I actually had to unlearn some things. And it happened because of... Folks who probably didn't even believe in the same God as me, being farther along in this continuum of challenging white supremacy and challenging racism in ways that mm. my colonial identity have prepared me to accept without consideration. Let me give you an example. Mm. I'm sitting in a class uh, out of Sigler, right, and I'm I'm feeling I'm right. feeling very uh, 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 scholarly, right, and and, and I want to say this, like Adventist education has a space in higher ed. Like I said in this, it was a philosophy of education class, right. And I'll never forget in that class, uh, uh, Pastor Paul, they asked, they asked me, you know, uh, you know, what is what is what is education? They were asked deep, you know, the philo- philosophical, right, Pastor Wade? And so I said, you know, I, I I waited for folks to answer Pastor uh Pastor Harry. Then I said, well, you know, true education, I believe, Professor, <laughs> is the harmonious development of the physical, oh. mental, and spiritual powers.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and they were, like, oh, that's oh, so. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They were, oh that's so that's so deep. You know what I'm saying? And we know that's our sister, that's E G, right? That's the that's, that's the RT 101. right? But in that <laughs> same class. In that same class, I had a, a colleague of mine, a, a sister. I don't know how she identified religiously at the time, but you know, in my arrogance as an Adventist, I I had a I was reading Great Controversy at the same time because I was nervous about these teachings in the secular university. So I was reading the Great Controversy, and I brought it to class one day with the cover, and I rested it down strategically so that she could see the the cover of the Great Controversy. I wanted her to inquire about you know what what made me so deep. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So I, I got, I, she, she didn't really ask any questions about it. So I got a little bit more forward. I said, hey, sis, you know, you might be interested in this book. Take a look at it sometime. And she she held the cover and nearly dropped the book like, out of her hand, like, like what? what are you reading, right? And the cover, of course, great controversy, great book. But the cover had this European Jesus with European angels, all male, and everybody that was being saved was white. And she was just like, bro, how did, how, like, what is this? How are you reading, like, like where did this come, right? And it was in that moment I was just like, "hmm, good question. <laughs> right? And that led me down a, 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 a season of reflection around how we're getting packaging, right? Mm. There are some questions that we have to ask. And so sometimes in these higher ed spaces, they're further along than our relates to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, and the pushback that they give us help us to refine how we present our adventist message. Wow.
0: wow. This, this brother said he needed to mine wow. a little more. He did not come with a shovel. That brother drove a, 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 a backhoe in this thing and dug that up. That was powerful.
1: powerful
4: Spot powerful. on, though. Stuff.
1: Yes. A powerful, powerful stuff. Uh, you know, we listen, this conversation um, is just uh, I think it's needed because we do have a lot of um, Adventists at public schools and public universities or uh, universities that are not of the Adventist faith, and they're making a tremendous difference. And, and just hearing your story, both of you, on some of the pushback, some of the support. I, you know, I was happy to hear that not, uh, you know, you didn't get all pushback, but there were some people who was, you know, who were really just supporting you. And I want to do a shout-out to Central States Conference. Can I do a shout-out to <laughs> <laughs> Central States Conference for supporting you? But, but but here's the thing. So, you know, your day-to-day activities, I think you explained it a little bit in your introduction on, on what both of you all do from a day-to-day standpoint. Just so You gave a little summary. Um, are you able to represent your faith in your day-to-day duties? Now, you know, whatever that means, I, I, I'm just just want to hear from you. Are you able to represent your faith in day-to-day activities? And, and I think you all answer this a little bit, but do you feel that your Adventist faith or the, the faith that you grew up with, right? Uh, or the faith that you have, uh, you know, connected with in this church, do you feel that that connection with, with Adventism and the, the foundations learning about, you know, the spiritual things that, that were taught by this church, do you think that those things prepared you for the public campus? So if I just, to s- just summarize that whole thing, did the church, the
3: teachings in this church prepare you to serve where you are right now? I'm going to defer to a signal on this one. and I'll go after him if that's, if that's okay.
4: You, oh, yeah, yeah. you, oh, you yeah. know, um, it's, it's a great question. Uh, Pastor Henry, I feel, listen to this. I feel, in my case, the world helped prepare me to be a mm. mm. <laughs> Well, you got me on you that. Unpackage that thing, man. That's a good one. The, the world helped me to be a in the sense that it's a very dangerous thing not to know anything but what you were told. Mm. Very right. dangerous thing, right? Because what made Christ so radical when he came on the scene, right, and correct me if I'm wrong, panel full of, full of pastors, he always referred to when he was talking about the scribes and, and, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the day, when he talked to the people, he always said, you have heard, you have heard, you have heard. Why? Because they were always spoken to about spiritual things. He came in the fullness of what those things were really supposed to be. So when you're in the world, right, there's a different perspective that and I'm not saying good or better. It was good for me that when you're in the world, you could see a little bit clearly about what the gospel is really about because you've seen the other side. You've kind of mm-hmm. experienced other things. Um, and I think when I became an elder, people were, oh, my goodness, you're going to see the board meetings, the people, and the world prepared me for that. When you're on mm-hmm. the president's cabinet, <laughs> when you're on, I, I also did some work in my alma maters, alumni board, and I was on the board for 20 years. When, and with diverse people, you're talking about Asian, Caucasian you know, different religions, uh, Jewish, Catholic, or what have you, when you come into a board meeting and we're not acting right, even though we pray and let the Lord oversee, when we're not acting right, I say, oh, I've seen that in the world.
0: Mm. Wow. Ouch.
4: You, You understand what I'm saying? So the world almost helped me to be a better Adventist because when I took my stand, when I joined the denomination, I took my stand for Christ, but I joined the Adventist church, right? It helped me to kind of weigh and love on people a little bit more, right? Because I know that we're in a better place because we're in the church, because we're Adventists, but we have work to do. And so my church will tell you, I always say, we come in here to learn so we can go out and serve. And that's wherever you are, because if you're sitting there keeping it to yourself, you're going to add on rules and things to satisfy your experience in the church, but not make you any good outside. Right. And so, you know, I think being in the world helped me to be a better Adventist Christian in that sense because of the interactions that I've had. And once again, I'll come back to it. I think too many folks are not feeling like they're in a safe place to be who they are in their walk. Not all of us Mm -hmm. are in the the same path or in the same space. The testimony Pastor Ty just gave about his mother, it's inspirational because we see how the story ends, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if that was still today, that same mother would be catching wreck. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have church discipline, but the way I learned about church discipline was, it was about also reconciliation at the end of it. You know, you didn't just Mm. kick somebody out, but you, you, you moved them out of the fellowship of the church to reconcile them back to a set of core beliefs and things to make them better. It's always about reconciliation. And now we have hundreds of people, thousands, I bet, out of the church because they're angry at the way they were not reconciled back into the love of Jesus. So Mm -hmm. to me, when you come in and you talked about it, there are people in the world who sometimes demonstrate better Christian behavior, right, than we do in the church. I Mm -hmm. think it's important for us to understand and learn that our experience in the world help inform our spiritual walk. They help us to grow and they give us an opportunity to challenge. And so I think to that question, it allowed me to be a better Adventist Christian by being in the world first, because it gave perspective, boundary framing to what I was experiencing in my walk with Christ still today. Wow.
3: That's awesome. Wow. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah, I, I I can relate to that as well. Like I mean, for me, you know, like I tell you, my mom was 19 years old. So you know, she was this fellowship. You know, hurt. Um, I, I want to give the end of the story a, a bit more context. The end of the story, because someone they may log off. So I just need to say this out loud. My mom is no longer a 19 year old college freshman. You know, she is now a dissertation away from earning her doctorate. Wait for it at the University of Missouri. Right? Come on. Um, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well, when you talk about reconciliation. You're talking about you know she's now a licensed counselor who you know she she gets to do on a daily basis. And I believe I get to do this as well. Uh, I heard a, I heard a, uh, a a presentation by uh, Jason Wright of the Washington uh, Football Team. He's actually I believe the first uh, 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 he's the youngest uh, uh, black. Uh, General manager, I believe, or president, I should say, I believe, of the Washington football team. He says that great leaders, and I believe pastors need to do this as well as leaders. He says that we have the capacity to absorb chaos and transmit peace. I want to Mm. say that again. Mm. He said, when he said that, he said, you know, great leaders, right? We have the capacity to absorb chaos and transmit peace, right? I mean, When I think about, that, I think about like the transition between like carbon dioxide and oxygen, right? I mean, I, I think about what Christ did when He took the, the 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 craziness, the sin of this world, and He He took on that chaos, and, and but but He He absorbs peace. We have access to peace through Him. And so again, when I when I when I think about reconciliation, and I package it now, or I allow my story or my mother's story to become a prism through which reconciliation is not just heard but experienced. I get to represent my Evanist faith in such an amazing way. It's a joy. It's a you know I mean I get to I get to live it in the marketplace of people who, I mean, they they think I'm doing stuff. Preacher, they, you know, when we, when we have gatherings, they don't know that it's just a repackaging of AYS. You know what I'm saying? It's something I learned in Pathfinder. I'm just, I'm taking stuff from, you know, they think I'm this great speaker, preacher, whatever. I mean, I'm combining leading the praise team and, you know, preaching as a kid or like, they, they don't they don't know, but again, for many of us, and this is why, I've, I, I, can I can I just share like just a vision that God has placed in my heart? Can I, can I, can I, is that okay? I know you got pastors and leaders watching. I believe. Listen to me. There are so many young people and campuses across the country that really haven't gotten access to our, our message, particularly in the Midwest. Uh, Salt City Church is in Columbia, Missouri. Again, there was only one Adventist church in that city uh, prior to us getting there. Now there is a second, right uh, in Columbia, Missouri. But I mean, imagine in, in other places across the Midwest where you know you might have one little rural church, but you got black right. athletes to go to those campuses. Right. We need bivocational pastors. We need folks who maybe help us to plant another Salt City Church. You know, what I mean, in Iowa somewhere, or in you know, what I mean, in the middle of these little towns, Iowa, right? And, right. But right. you're you're working on your PhD, right? And you got an assistantship from the university, and you get a little stipend as well, where you're also pastoring and raising up a congregation, like like mm. like the, the capacity to represent our Evanist faith. Is most sweet in in contexts that haven't experienced your Adventist faith. We're so That's insular right. at times. Can I just say it? Right. I believe that we've we'll got yeah. people living in Huntsville and, and and in the DMV and in you know uh, 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 Southern Cal who are like fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth string. They have to do nothing. They can come and enjoy the messages and the prayer teams. But they will be starters all across the country if they were if they realize and were positioned. To use the <laughs> gifts and things that we've been given through our Adventist connections in spaces right. that have never experienced what we take for granted. So, I, 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 reconciliation—that has been not just my testimony, but I believe that's also the mission of the Christian as we absorb chaos yes. and transmit yes. peace. The other two that come to my mind when I think about the capacity to share my faith in uh, and, and to represent my Adventist faith. Listen, we've got a world of folks who are busy and stressed, and so. You know, the Sabbath message, you know, not from a, you know, it's uh, 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 Sabbath, you know, you know, not from a, a finger waving, but from a relational opportunity to reconnect vertically, to reconnect horizontally with our families, to reconnect and enjoy nature, to be refreshed. I tell people all the time, I was blessed to do in six days what many of my colleagues were not able to do in seven. And that's not to brag, but like right. I earned tenure right. a year early. I earned tenure a year early at a research one university working six days. And people are like, yo, how do you do that? Um, so, so I get to share my faith. And that beats coming in with the sledgehammer. Center. It's 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 an hour before sunset. You can't this. Like like we've never made it, going back to the earlier conversation, we've never made our faith attractive because our results right. don't communicate wow. that our practice Mercy. and our theology wow. is actually working. Wow. Right? So, wow. so, so I believe that our Adventist faith you know, it, it will have greater resonance when it is grounded in real relationships and when it's grounded yes, in sir. results. Don't tell people that you're keeping the Sabbath when you look miserable. Don't mm-hmm, tell right. people that you're keeping <laughs> the right. Sabbath when you're not in good health. And, and the same, well, listen, I, right. I'm past you in the health message, and you say you're resting, but you get up on Monday and you look. Chevy, like you don't, you do know say you don't look like you have joy, right? So, again, I believe that the marketplace of the world is a beautiful place for us to, uh, uh, to uh, share or represent our evidence, faith. And I'll say this last thing you know, uh, uh, I I've I really, you know, the joy of this current season of my life is that, you know, growing up, I really wanted to be uh, a sportsman. So, I was an academic, but I was also, you know, really good in sport. Uh, Pastor Henry, you know a little bit about this. I played cricket growing up, I also played soccer. <laughs> But I played cricket for, you know, for those of your West Indian background, you know what I'm talking about, right? And, and here's the interesting As a young boy, born to a teenage mother, uh, I, I I went to church, but, but, you know, but I didn't go to the Adventist school. But in my heart of hearts, listen to me, I wanted to be so good at cricket that they would choose me for the largest cricket match in Bermuda. It's called Cup Match. It happened last week, uh, or week before last. And it's a two-day cricket match. But in order to make it into the match, you have to play the trial on Sabbath. Listen to me. This little Adventist boy who was really in the world, like I was raised in the world with Adventist connections, My God placed in my heart at that age, I wanted to be so good that I would change systems. <laughs> come on yeah. i wanted to be <laughs> so on. good yeah. my, my my i wanted my averages to be so good out of jeffrey that they would say yo you don't have to play the trial we just want yeah. you in the team yeah. and if i'm honest right. with you, there were moments where i wrestled with god because i was frustrated i'm saying god why would you allow these noble dreams daddy to not come to pass. I, I play it soccer at a high level. My my teammates play it in the MLS and in the, in the second division of the Premier division. I went to church when we went on trial and I get to the game, and I'm the one on Sunday morning after nut partying the night before. I'm throwing up on the field. Like, God, why don't you let me score? Mercy. And then I look at my journey. I look at my journey last fall and I'm interviewing for this job. And God was revealing to me, son, I was stretching you because you just wanted to trade, you just wanted to change systems in Bermuda to play cup mm-hmm. match. I'm going to take it Adventist, and I'm going to do for you what I believe is almost akin to what God has done with Barry Black in the military and in the Senate. Mm -hmm. There there aren't many other Adventists. I I, I would be surprised if there's another Seventh-day Adventist who works at a a Power Five conference at a senior administration, and and I don't know if this ever happened before. And I believe that happened because God was saying, son, that dream that I gave you as a little boy, you thought it was for Bermuda. You thought it was for Bermuda Institute. I want to give it to you to actually shift systems as it relates to a a world where now there's a movement for justice and there's a denomination Mm -hmm. that also needs to to consider. And I'm I'm, I'm, going to get out of the way of this. We need to consider as a denomination how we have failed to utilize and acknowledge the gifting of sport as a way to minister to the world. I've got something to say a little little bit on that. But I believe that Mm -hmm. the area, we know what to do for young preacher. We know what to do for a young person that sings. But if God gave us a LeBron, LeBron James, who was at Venice, we would have it to make him choose right. between his faith and his gift. And I believe there's mm-hmm. room for both. But we don't think about changing systems, because many of us have been grounded and raised in a system and never been able to envision what it looks like to live beyond it and to share our faith in
4: relevant ways. When, when Pastor Todd, uh, Dr. Todd talked about changing systems and you have to be courageous enough to do it, a few years ago when I was in student life, we had the opportunity to participate in what some people may already know is called the Honda Campus All-Star Challenge. And it's like mm-hmm. a quiz show. It's, you know, it's like a Jeopardy, you know, uh, c- competition of predominantly black institutions like Meg College but mostly HBCUs. So, of course, Oakwood participated in, you know, the Honda Campus All-Star Challenge for a number of years. And let me show you where excellence and faith is. The tournament starts on like a Thursday, but it goes through Friday and Sabbath. Oakwood was so good in this competition, and they were faithful to the cause. They didn't hide the fact of who they were and what have you. When, and, and the championships were held in a beautiful resort in in, in, um, in Florida on a Disney resort. Now they're back in California. But Oakwood was so good that on Sabbath, they observed the Sabbath as it came in on Friday. They went to church and worship on Sabbath. And the tournament, if you played Oakwood, if your competition was against Oakwood, you had to wait until the Sabbath was over to compete, right? They changed the system of this national HBCU competition because yes. faithful first, we, we are not going to play on the Sabbath, but they were also excellent. See, I mm-hmm. think without the excellence in what you do, yes. it doesn't make room for the allowance. That's it. Right. And so too many people, when we're not excellent at what we do, we can't leverage that excellence for the faith. And so Mm. a lot of times it's very powerful. And that's what I just wanted to add, that real time example of where excellence does actually change systems. And I believe that's transferable into all aspects of our life.
3: How Absolutely. How can I God. can I just can I just piggyback off of the of the great of there? So so here's the thing, the, this is what God does. I want to show you the individual and and what I love because we're also talking about the institution, right? And how we can shift both and and and, and challenge both. Um and I, I, there's a role for the individual and the institution. So individually you know, when I was offered the job, I'm sitting across the table for my athletic director. And you know, I'm got my youngest son with us, and he's literally like giving me the hat. Like I felt like a D1 athlete, uh, uh, pastor. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's, I mean, they're recruiting me, you know what I'm saying? And I was I'm like, go take my D1. talents to yeah, like, <laughs> listen, I'm, I'm taking my talents to Kelly, right? I mean, but my son is there, and I'm I'm able to say to my AD, I'm saying, Listen, you know, I I, I would do in six days, what others would not be able to do in seven. But I, I want you to know also that there are some things I may not be able to do the same way or may not be able to do uh, during the Sabbath. And, and, and he said, listen, I, you know, I, I, listen, we, we all need a bit more rest. Right. Uh, mm. And so so he was actually very uh, respectful of it. But here's the other part. I'm also I mean, we're, we're heading into football season now. Can I be honest with you? Right. And, this, and, and everybody's role is different, but I have different hats. So there are things that I'm going to need to do on a game day as a as a chaplain as a as someone who right. you know when i think about when i think about the athletic space when i think about universities, like we have to think about these as not just mission fields, but I also see them as almost like like biblical wows. Can I just say real quick, like when you look at the word, right, the wows do about, about four things. One uh, is provision. I'm sure in the work of Julie Biedmead, it's a, but I was just doing some research and one of these wows that do, uh, they are places of provision where people hydrate, right? They get to provide for their families, right? they are also places of socialization. Right? There're places of betrothal, uh, 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 be right places where you hook up and find somebody, a mate right They're also places of divine revelation often uh, 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 like revelation happening in these spaces. I believe that university campuses are also these unique wows where young people come at critical times in their in their in their journeys and get access to a whole lot. Some of it is not necessarily what's the best for them. But if we're not in those spaces, then we can't provide the guidance. And so for me, on an individual level, I I, I see the, (laughs) listen, when folks go to an athletic game, worship happens. Can we keep 100? Mm -hmm. Hands are lifted. (laughs) Songs are played. The pastoral staff does their thing. And for me, it's like if I'm going to really tap into access and, and, and minister in that space, then I also need to be at those rows I may not do things I'll do from Monday through uh, through Friday, but there are going to be some things I may need to be to be just the ministry of presence to be able to love on somebody whom I may never be able to access if I'm not there. So I think that I want to make sure that I can share that because some of us, we, we, we don't envision what it looks like to really engage authentically and with intentionality, knowing why we're in a space on an individual level. On an institutional level, I love what other Sigler said. I want to mention a name. Uh, My brother, Ray Gray, his daughter's name is Raven Gray, I believe, an amazing volleyball player, high school senior, who basically they changed the tournament dates for her so that she could (laughs) observe the Sabbath. I believe she was the best in North Carolina. Like, imagine... Let me just, I I believe, I'm going to say this out there. Listen, it's not mine because I believe God gave it to me, but I'm going to say it out there. I hope it goes to wherever it needs to go for it to happen. But I believe part of our even uh, enrollment financial issues at some of our institutions of higher ed um, could be solved if we actually utilize sport as a platform for excellence, And as a platform for recruitment, what if we went to some of those Adventist former NBA players who had to choose between Sabbath and sport? And we came to them and say, "Hey, listen, we've realized that we probably weren't as inclusive, D-E-I-B, <laughs> diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, as we needed to have been previously. Would you help us to be able to fund a program whereby a young person who's the best in his sport, let's say in basketball where you only need about 12 players, five starters, we can build a program where now we get to change a system and our team gets to play in the NCAA tournament. And now we're getting access to funding, and, and, and right? But we don't even envision that because many of us have never been in those spaces. And that's why I believe I'm humbled and honored that God would allow me to be at an institution like a cow to be able to see how it happens, to be able to minister on an individual level, but to be able to envision and articulate what it can look like institutionally for us to really allow our young people to use all the gifts for the Lord.
2: I have to be honest with you. Um, I experienced exactly what you're talking about, Dr. Douglas. I had the privilege of serving in the Mid-American Union. and one of the things uh, as ACS ACS Director, the Adventist Community Service Director, and there was a there was the tornado or the storm that happened in Jefferson City, Missouri. And oh. the ACS department of the Iowa, Missouri Conference was called, to help the city gather free gifts, uh, free donations, things like that, at a concert that happened on the Sabbath. I went down to support the team. Mm -hmm. And I was blown away to Mm -hmm. be in Jefferson City, near Columbia. And I'm sitting there saying, where all these Black people came from? And Mm -hmm. and, and found out that Jamaica sends a lot of their students, athletes, to the University of Missouri on that campus. Mm -hmm. And then it was brought to my attention, the ministry you were doing there. And I was just pleased to know that we had some individuals who saw past the typical Adventist building and Mm -hmm. was willing Mm -hmm. to minister in places that we are not normally there. So I know it works. And obviously now with the Salt Church that's there, there are places around, even I would even believe there are some deserts There's some faith deserts, even in Brooklyn, Uh, Elder Sigler. As you know, Uh Brooklyn has 40 churches in one conference. But yet still, there are still a lot of people who still have not heard the gospel, felt the gospel, lived the gospel. And I believe you are doing that there in Brooklyn. Uh, Dr. Dr. Douglas, you are doing that there out in Berkeley. Uh, And I I just want to say thank you, because that's one of the things we wanted to do for this show, is to thank you for what you're doing in the public campus space and we do appreciate that
0: absolutely Absolutely. absolutely
2: dr henry had to step away because of as you heard we uh he's there supporting um his treasurer being commissioned today um but we thank uh we thank him for representing prt at the Florida Conferences commissioning of their treasurer. So we we appreciate him being our missionary there. (laughs) (laughs) We just just have a few more um, minutes here. And I just wanted to ask the question. uh, A lot of students are listening, or maybe we even have some parents who are listening. Um, Mm -hmm. What advice would you give an Adventist student about their faith who finds themselves on a public campus or is considering to attend a public campus, what what advice would you give? And I'm going to start with um, Elder Sigler on that. Sure. Re-
4: really, really quickly, I think it's about fit. Always um, make sure the institution is a place that really af- reflects culturally what you're about, academically what you're about. Um, The size, you know, don't buy more college than you can afford, but don't go to a place where you're going to get swallowed up. If you're better off where people know your name, then then it's about the fit. I think also um, if you have the opportunity to get support from your home church, um, rally around that support. You know, I think one of the things we didn't get really the opportunity to talk about, but it's the opportunity of what the local congregation can do for the students at these public institutions is to make sure that even if their tuition is covered because they can afford finance, they can get financial aid. So many other things like the uh, devices they need for class, the equipment they need, the other cost of education aren't covered. They should be able to get that support from their local church. And then finally, I say, you know, be your authentic self. I had one student one time that that stood for her observation of the Sabbath. You know, they had commencement. We no longer do praise God, but they had commencement on the Sabbath. She stood for it, but she didn't just um, not come to graduation. She wrote the president of the college and wrote to him and said, here's why I can't attend I would like to robe I would like to get my shake your hand mr. president um, and take pictures with my family guess what this president did he took one of the conference rooms and he set it up she got her name called she got her diploma handed to her he rolled up in his presidential gear with his presidential medal. The family was there. And only because she stayed her authentic self. Too many times we either compromise or we stay silent. And so I would just tell those students, if you go into a public space, be supported by those who support you, but remain authentic because you are there to kind of reflect the light of Jesus Christ. There are too many examples where we are silent or we compromise and we don't get the chance to really do uh, ministry and a pastor that I knew that used to pastor at Bethel used to always say, You don't need to ask permission to do ministry.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I've heard that before. I've heard that before. <laughs> Amen. That
4: sounds familiar.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, that's awesome. Yeah.
1: Right.
3: yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's great counsel. Yeah, that's great counsel. I want to just echo the sentiments of Ada uh, Sigler. And I also add to that, I want to start by saying to every young person, um, who's watching, or a parent who's watching? That your journey is legitimate. You know, I think sometimes when we, when our paths are not the same as everyone else, uh, we can question whether God is with us, or wonder why is that happening, or maybe you didn't get to this particular school. Um, I, I believe that you know uh, you, you should know that God is guiding your steps if you're asking him to. And sometimes even when you don't ask him to, you realize he's been there guiding you all along, right? Um, I, 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 I mentioned the schools that I attend. I just want to say this real quick. You know, I, I I went to Oakwood. I graduated uh, December two thousand, I believe, and um, and then I, I started at UAH, my master's just because it was proximate. I had interest in the in the city. I was attending Madison Mission at the time, and that was helping me in my thinking around some like ministry frameworks. Um, And I went back to Bermuda and taught for five years at an Adventist school. And it was interesting because many of my friends who grew up in the Adventist church and even went to the Adventist school were probably less inclined to want to work in the Adventist school. And I was probably more open to it because I didn't go to the Adventist school. So again, your journey prepares you for things that that may be different from somebody else. When I decided to go and do my PhD, I want to help somebody. Um, And and I wish you if you study the trajectory of my career, I I can only say that it it is God. Um, but I applied to a number of schools. I got in uh, to UNC Greensboro, uh, and I accepted their offer. Um, and I I, I graduated with my with a PhD with no debt. I have no student loan debt, so I want to put that out there too, in the name of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? I want to encourage you to go where folks are going to help to pay for your schooling. like, let's not, you know, get these degrees, but then we can't start businesses. After after I finished my master's and went to Bermuda, I started a business, right? Uh, After my PhD, I was able to buy, I've been able to do things, right? So I want to say that. But here's the interesting thing. My acceptance letter to UNC Chapel Hill got sent to Malaysia, Pastor Paul. And in the interim, I accepted UNCG's offer. Some 40-plus years later, earlier this spring, I had the opportunity to do a keynote, keynote address. And you'd be interested to know it was invited by the chancellor's office at UNC Chapel Hill. Wow! <laughs> and of course, my mother my mother who joined me, when that church that now had their 40th anniversary, invites me back to be the speaker. And now my mom and the pastor who just fellowshiped her, they get a chance to reconnect. Mm-hmm. And he gets to say, I'm sorry for stopping by and delivering the message in the way that we did as a boy. Because it's not just about pastors, but he was doing the work right. of the folks who voted to say, you are no longer a part. He was able to stop and say, I'm sorry. That mother who's now about to finish a doctorate, she was able to be in that, that room with me to deliver a keynote to the school that i did not attend because i'm a loyal guy i accept the uncg's offer but when i look at my journey of you know what i'm saying pageant primary i'm talking about like a just a, a a public school in bermuda to work academy i told you about it right to bermuda college to oakwood hbcu to the university of alabama huntsfield that's that's a, a d2 uh, uh, athletics program it's a research intensive school but then you know from there to uncg like, typically, if you're going to get to D1, you, I mean, UNCG is a great school. They're D1 in athletics, uh, they're research intensive. Uh, but but if I went to Chapel Hill, people would give the glory to Chapel Hill. Come on, somebody. Right, right, I, right, my, my right, my right, son, right. I'm going to send you on a path the opposite way. I'm going to give you sort of like a Steph Curry experience. I'm going to send you to like a Davidson. Davidson but then I'll allow right. you to get to the league. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so what he did was, to, from yeah. UNCG, to get dissertation awards, and then to end up at a Mizzou, which is a D1 program, to be there, you know, when Michael Brown is shot in killed. Like, he led me, he, your 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 journey, your steps are being ordered, and I asked him to guide my steps. And so it, it makes sense, though it didn't at the time, that he would lead me to where I was, and then to go from Mizzou to what folks would describe as the number one public university in the world? Mm-hmm. Cow! Mm-hmm. Mm. Mercy, mm. mercy. Lord. Like I, right. I, I, I yeah. say that and I start, I, I started intentionally from the womb of a teenager. I just want to encourage a, a mother, a parent, a young person who feels forsaken, who feels like you're on the outskirts, who feels like, you know, you were, you were at the Victorian. I want to encourage you to let you know that I've served a God. I serve a God who loves to work with folks who others look at and say, you're illegitimate. Your journey is legitimate. Number one. Number two, there are campus groups that I believe could be a blessing to you when you're on a public campus, right? So you may wanna check out an Adventist Christian Fellowship group, or you may need to start something. That's the beauty. Right, right. Can I gather if this right. passed away? The funny part is, My athletic administration journey started at Oakwood, starting the the, the Oakwood soccer team where we played against UAH at Alabama A&M and Calhoun and working with Mr. Roddy, putting the jersey numbers on in the back room. I didn't know what I was preparing for when I was coaching the women's flag football team and I was writing for the Bermuda newspaper. I was just just using what I had, whatever you have in your hand. You don't know what God's going to do with it, but I know that when you use your, your gifts and talents, God will prepare you for things that you may not be able to envision. And so don't be afraid to start something on a campus that doesn't have it. And then finally, wherever you go, know that God is with you. Uh, Christ is there. That's right. If I'm honest with you, my confirmation of uh, taking the job at Cal, I was there for the interview. It was about three o'clock in the morning. I said, God, talk to me. I need to know if this is where you want me to be. And I studied space and I went for an early morning walk. And it was this, the moon was in front of me. It was a beautiful night. Uh, it's, it's a street where you have a lot of folks, who are homeless and just—it's it's just an interesting space. Our campus—it's really like a—it's a real, just little, little, just microcosm of a, a world that is complex, beautiful, brilliant people. Uh, but, but 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 as I went for that walk, I looked to my right, and I saw for the first time this 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 church with this cross with Jesus on it, and it was just like God it's like, look to your right. I want you to see that I'm here. All right, don't panic. And he said, "Keep walking, son." So I walked a little further, and I, I he said, "Look down." I looked down, and there was an open condom wrapper on the on the ground. He said, "Son, this is here too. This is what I'm bringing you." He said, "Now keep walking." And he said, "Now look up." I looked up, and I saw uh, 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 some sniggers tied to the to the to the to the to the uh, 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 electrical pole, right? It's the the electrical line, yeah, yeah. right? And for those of you, you know, you know, you know what you know, right? That that, that's there too. And he said, keep walking. And then an alarm went off on somebody's car. And it was a young person that came running outside frantic trying to turn off their car alarm. And God said, listen, this is why you're here. Mm -hmm. Everything that, 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 that you've experienced, the pain, the shame, the rejection, the exclusion, right? Has prepared you to let people know that they are included. They are part of my plan have a plan for their lives and for every person that's watching God has a plan for you. So I just want to encourage somebody, reach out to us. I know I said a lot, we said a lot. And so if you're interested in following up uh, on your journey, you know, we have a nonprofit called So Amazing Life today which is the organization that helps to undergird Salt City Church, S-A-L-T, So Amazing Life Today, right? So if you want to give to that, So Amazing Life Today, reach out to us. But also maybe you want to move to a new city and do something different. Maybe you want to come to Columbia, Missouri and help our Pastor Braun Jacobs. And maybe you want to come to Berkeley and help us to do something here. I don't know. But if you're tired of just doing the normal stuff and you're ready to allow God to show you what it looks like to be salt and light, come on, to the world. Amen. I invite you to join this journey.
4: Amen. Man, wow, wow. Drop
3: that
2: Dr. mic, <laughs> drop that Dr. mic. <laughs> Dr. Paul, uh, uh, I know we gotta end, but I think we have we gotta get this last question in because folks who are listening need to know how they can take the energy from what we have heard today and help. So the last question is simply this. Um, what can local congregations near public campuses do to support Adventist students or even students as as a whole what 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 would you ask our local churches to do, many of them are listening, tell us what we need to do to be an impact on on these public campuses.
3: I have a you want to go or or you want me to take it first.
4: No, you you can take it first.
3: Sure. So I, I would say one, I believe that we need to see our campuses as legitimate mission fields. You know, these are legitimate mission fields that, you know, there's I know the students are transient, but, you know, I think one of the these that allowed us to be successful in Columbia, Missouri, is that we were there for eight and a half years. Right. So as people come and go, you also need some pillars. You need some consistency. You need some healthy families. You need some healthy people so that when the young people come, they can they can they can have some foundation. Right. Uh, so I think that's one of the pieces. Right. So seen as a legitimate mission field, make sure that you have uh, your human infrastructure in place. I wanna say something, I'm so glad you asked this question. I believe that the Lord would have me to say this. I, I wanna encourage our churches to, to support our leaders and even in particular our pastors who may, who may need to go and get a master's or a doctorate, not in our institutions, but maybe they may need to go and get it in a different institution to be able to build those relationships. There are donors that yeah. you're gonna meet when you work yeah. in those spaces. And I wanna just challenge that because with all due respect, I, I actually encourage my mentees To differentiate their organizational affiliation. So, if no disrespect, with all due respect, to those who may, you know, do the, uh, you know, uh, undergrad in theology and the MDF, you may not want to do your DM in one of our schools. You may need to go and do a doctorate in social welfare, in sociology, in human development and family. You may need to get a different lens because, again, we try to reach a world, but all of our connections sometimes are within Mm -hmm. the confines of Adventism. And so I want to encourage those who are listening to support your pastor. If he, for example, I know uh, uh, Pastor Evan Willis in North Carolina is working on his his PhD at UNC Charlotte. Praise the Lord, right? Folks are doing it and be open to the reality that everything does not have to be within our structure for it to be supportive of, affirmative of, uh, or or, or even uh, a part of our structure. I believe we need to reconsider what it looks like to mobilize our work for, for maximum our uh, kingdom impact. Excellent, wow, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Elder Sigler.
2: what,
4: what can yeah what the I'll, congregations I'll, do? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be real quick because I think I kind of tied that into a previous answer. I think it's important for the local congregations to understand who's in their church and, and where they are going to school and to support those students, right? support them financially, support them emotionally, um, support them. You know, so many people in our congregations, they have degrees, they have specializations, they have gifts. So it's important to one, know where, where your children are and to support them. But I think also from another uh, discipleship evangelistic aspect, um, if churches are near colleges, they can support through their community service, right? Um, Because there are so many students, especially now after COVID, we have our own food pantry at the college, but there's information that can be shared with the office of student life or the president's office of a college and say, this is what we can offer any of your students who may be in need, you know, Mm -hmm. be it from clothing Um, the, the soup kitchens that you have, the food pantries that you have on a weekly basis, there's never a wrong time to do a good thing for somebody. And as we were sitting here talking, I was just thinking we don't advertise ourselves out in that way um, to our local institutions. Maybe we think because they don't need it. Maybe they think, you know, it's the camp of the Philistines, but I think we need to let go of some of that and offer what it is, that we have to offer to so many students, not just Adventist students that are there, but to students in general who can benefit from it. Um, Some plant, some water, but God will bring the increase. And I think too many times we're worried about the conversion instead of doing the work. You know, God will do the work of converting souls, but there's no unemployment in God's kingdom. Once you say yes to Jesus, he just he just needs you to get into the field and do some work. So, so I think that's how we could be helpful to our local uh, colleges,
0: Elder uh, Wade. If I could add just a little to that, I had the privilege of pastoring a, a campus church um, for for four or five years, and w- one of the things that I think a lot of our our members miss in, in 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 this in this issue is that the majority of our young people in Adventism are on these campuses. They are not mm-hmm. in our institutions. And so the things that you as a local church, as you as a local church pastor, as you as a parent feel that your children may be missing because they are not at uh, an Adventist institution, Provide it for them, be there for them, show up, have that ministry of presence when things are going on that campus. Um, support them financially for gatherings and groups. Um, I had a church that I was pastoring in Tampa that the membership was about 97. I had 400 plus in church every week. Not every week, but about, we would have that, that kind of attendance there because the, the kids from the campus were going out and reaching and bringing people uh, bring, bringing people there. Other students and friends and the church grew in that context. Um, so th- that's, that's one of the, 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 not just the benefits, but it's, it's the part of the rationale or the reason why it's necessary is that sometimes mm-hmm. they will not get, they might not, every public campus may not have an elder Jeffrey Sigler or a, or a Dr. Ty Douglas, but that can be you, um, that mm-hmm. can be yeah. you with your love and your outreach and being there for those young people. So thank you so much uh, for, for that input, gentlemen.
3: Can I just say one last thing in ten seconds? Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I think universities don't do not do very very well. Many universities do not do very well is that there are a lot of young people that are five minutes away from these campuses and especially young people that look like us. and yet those campuses could be five thousand you know light years away because there's really no connection sometimes between the university and a lot of times the urban cores of our cities. And so for us, for those who are watching as well, I think it's important for you to know that, like what your value add could also be to the university. Many universities, professors, some of my colleagues, they write about these communities, but they don't have authentic relationships with the people in the community. And so for us, our value add was, we were reaching young people. I was, you know, preaching on Sabbath morning, but driving the church bus on Friday night, picking up the kids. It was, you know, it wasn't Always the sort of sexy, you know, you know, like you know, the, the, the rush of certain. I mean, it was, it was relationships. It's relationships with mothers. It's relationships with parents. is sending kids to Oakwood, right? So our institutions, as so I have in our higher institutions also benefit when we get into this educational marketplace authentically so i just want to just share that find the language that works for the young people find that coming ground because it's not i hope that folks don't take away from this conversation all right we need to just invite everybody to our church no you need to go to them salt city's home base it's actually a park called douglas park a basketball court where we partner with mm. a local community go go to their home court love on them there and then bid them come but they may not come to your building but they will let you into their hearts first and then you can build from there and build the connections across uh, time and space that many of us have but now we have the opportunity to connect people in meaningful ways
2: wow listen one of the questions we did have we're not a- we're not asking this was to <laughs> what can we give to those who are in the same situation you are but just listening to the conversation today builds on what I can what I can do if I'm on a, a public campus. So thank you for the encouragement, thank you for the insight, thank you for the the excitement. You just it yeah. oozed out Fashion of both of you all today yeah. about the, how you minister on a public campus. And I just salute you and thank you for what you do for the young people, not just Adventist young people, but the young people on in your sphere.